property development is a confidence game. I think if you're not confident, you're not going to do it. If you've got a good educator, you've got to pull the right team together, that gives you the confidence to take action because it's all about action. But sadly, a lot of people get head knowledge, but they don't take action. And that's where they need somebody to get them to take the action. Mm. Now, once you take the action, you can go forward. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello. So today I have Bob Anderson and Hilary Saxton joining me to talk about what they're bringing to She Renovates 2023. Now, Bob and Hillary are a bit of a package deal and I better just go and just to read, they're a dynamic duo behind Property Mastermind. With their combined expertise in property development and strategic planning, they have revolutionised the property industry. Their innovative approach wealth of knowledge and unwavering support empowers members to achieve financial success and create their dream property portfolios. So welcome, Bob and Hilary. Great, Bernadette. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. And what a, that was a big wrap. It's always nice to hear what when people read off your own website. Oh. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you had That's some hands on the website. some stage. Oh, we, we probably had a bit of a hand in that. But you know what it's like? You've got to put your best foot forward, don't you? You do. You do. So let's get into it. So basically, a lot of renovators get to the stage where they've built their skill and then they're looking for what's next. And usually that is development. And so that's why you're here, Bob. And in case you didn't know... <laughs> And oh, <laughs> oh, I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really want to talk about firstly your journey, like what brought you to where you are today. If you could just give us the abridged version, that would be great. Pretty quick version. Back in my earlier years, I had a bad car accident and that put me out of action for about 18 months, which was great because it gave me time to lie on my back and think about it. I knew I had to make money and I had a look around. I thought, well, Property seems pretty good. Who makes the most money doing property? And I thought, well, I speak property developers. So not being able to go straight into it, I went work for a real estate agency that sold land subdivisions. And I was lucky enough to meet somebody at that time who helped me with my first project because there wasn't any education on property development back in the day. And that, and that kicked me off. And his name was Tony and he was my very first mentor. That's what got me into the business all those years ago, virtually four decades ago, and I, I haven't left. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I are of a similar vintage, and, yeah, I've been at it for about as long. So, yeah. And so, and so when did Hillary come into the scene? So, Hillary, do you want to sort of explain where you fit in? I fit in, well, Bob and I, I, so I have a background in, in renovations, actually, mm. <laughs> and it's over 20. And then Bob and I were living together and I, I've been coaching for a long time. And he was at a point in the business where it looked like we needed to have, it, it just needed 
my skill set with his skill set and you know what it's like in this industry I mean there's a new person jumping on board every week but I think that what it meant is that because we are probably like your husband and yourself you've got a duo in there there's more of that key factor and so I was able to bring the coaching side the the mindset the the business I've done plenty of startups so just to add that to Bob's very niche expertise around developing and we've been able to just really offer our people something pretty amazing. Awesome, awesome. And of course, you, you've you been on the podcast before and you are definitely a mindset queen, also a really <laughs> articulate speaker, which is a, an absolute joy. So, and Hilary, you're going to be talking about mindset at the event and we always try and include, well, we always include something around how you think in our programs because it really does underpin mm. everything we do. Oh, it absolutely does. Even as you said that, Bernadette, I had full body goosebumps. So that means to me it's going to be an amazing event. But it, our, our mindset determines everything. Mm. We're either a thermostat or a thermometer. We are controlled by what's happening to us or we are controlling what's happening to us or how we want our life to be. And I just think that when people realise that they are in control of their future, then they can turn their life around at any point. It's all about drawing a line in the sand and making decisions, making impactful decisions and going for it. That's it, just going for it. Completely agree. So that's why you're the perfect fit, especially as you have had had such an illustrious career as a renovator. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Drag Bob through one. Yeah, I, I, I'll put on the tool bag if I need to, but uh, that's the project manager beside me. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that gets purple thumbs from hitting them oh with a hammer. Oh, my gosh. I was going to ask you, do you have a trade background? But I think that's a no. 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 I'm more of a tradie than him. <laughs> so, around development, I'm really curious at the moment where do your community, where are your projects? What states and what scope are they? Yeah. Yeah. So as developers, we're, we're both developers and educators. So we don't just educate, we develop ourselves. And in terms of our developments, I mean, Hillary's involved in developments in Western Australia, in Victoria and Queensland, actually, where we live. I'm involved in Queensland and New South Wales. So we, we can develop anywhere. The, the key is to have a good team at the other end. So that's what we do as developers. But as educators, we have uh, students within our community from every state except the Northern Territory. Uh, and But particularly the, the three East Coast states, that's where a lot of the development happens, but also a bit in South Australia and, and Western Australia. So we're working with people on projects in all those states and we've developed in all those states as well. And so that gives us that, that broad knowledge as Hillary said, I'm the technical guy. I know all the little bits and pieces, almost nothing I haven't developed. But she brings the other 50% of what makes people successful, and that's the mindset. So when you combine the two, you've got a pretty good formula. Yeah. And I think also, Bob, to add to that, like, and where, I mean, all states everywhere have probably exactly like renovating. It's There is always potential somewhere. You just have to know what to look for, how to find it, how to do the numbers. It's exactly the same as, it's the same system, but a different system, yeah. you know, renovating and developing. They both have similar strategies or maybe same strategy, different system. There are mm -hmm. developments everywhere, like there are renovations everywhere. You just got to find the pockets that are working right now. Yeah. 
And so do you have a rule of thumb like profit margin for like say a townhouse development? Well, we do and that 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 can vary a little bit. Say say a well, say a three pack of townhouses. I mean, a lot of people throw the old number around a 20% margin and what mm. what that is, it's your profit expressed as a percentage of your total costs. Yeah. A bit like an ROI in a developing sort of way, but that number's been bandied around forever, but it does depend very much on finances and the state of the market. Yeah. Uh, so on, on a three-pack, yeah, it might be 20, but look, you can get finance for 17% deals if they're in a good area. Uh, yeah. Duplexes we do a fair bit of. We look for 15%, but we know there are some finances that will finance at 12s and 13s even. So so really it's about yeah the, the profit margin. We look for yeah. a margin. Yeah. And that margin can vary with the type of project, the size of the project, how fast we can do a project and, and the state of the market because if it's a strong market, financiers get a bit more bullish and they'll tend to lend a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. And I know that, yeah, the market makes so much difference. I interviewed someone recently, a lady who's a pretty ambitious renovator and she did a one into seven subdivision but just subdivided broke it up and sold off the blocks and she made something like a million dollars profit but it was like during that period in COVID when property prices were absolutely soaring the government was yeah was dishing out money for people to build and that's a t- it's a vastly different scenario to what happens from day to day, isn't it? Yeah, look, that euphoria after COVID where we had such rapid rises, they turned a lot of bad deals into good deals. Deals that were very marginal, weren't really making enough profit, all of a sudden did make enough. And that's yeah. great. You take advantage. If you've got a strong wind behind you, you put the sales up, don't you? Absolutely, uh, but- yeah. As you say, there's been a lot of corrections in the market, haven't mm. we, Hillary? We've mm. seen prices go up, settle down. We've seen a bit of some price corrections in some areas. We've seen interest rates rises. We've seen bill costs go up. The thing about property, and I suppose what keeps us in it, it's such a dynamic industry. It doesn't sit still. It's always changing. And you need to be up to pace with what's happening and even be able to read the market. And I think that's whether you're renovating, whether you're just doing lazy property investments or you're doing development, you need to keep abreast of what's happening in the market, but also have a a strong opinion of where the market's going. Mm. And that can sometimes be quite challenging because, as I'm sure you experience this too, you can have completely different scenarios in two areas that are quite close together. So it's not a blanket situation like when they talk about the Australian market I saw something the other day and it was talking about the fact that we've had nine consecutive months of capital growth this year and I thought I bet you that hasn't happened everywhere like it's not doesn't it's not like that is it oh oh gosh no in fact we've got a development that we're doing not too far away and and probably until recently, it worked two streets away and now it doesn't. Where ours is, it does. But as soon as you move back two streets, those numbers don't stack up anymore. And we were pretty hot working in that market ourselves. Yeah. And and it was, it's just interesting how quickly things turned, hey, Bob? It was interesting. 
Yeah, it is. And as you say, the Australian property market, when you see those numbers come out of RP data, they're an average of the capital cities. Mm. Uh, or sometimes they throw rural areas in, but like there's no such thing. You go to Sydney, there's probably 30 markets in Sydney, you know. So mm. as, a, as developers, and I suppose renovators for that matter, really, we narrow it down to suburban level and we, and we even go sub-suburban. So as Hillary said, in some of the areas where we're working, even two streets away, it's a different sale price. Therefore, you have to buy the land cheaper. It's going to cost you the same to build virtually or the same yeah. to renovate, I guess. But, yeah, it's it's local knowledge. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. You have to pick an area and become a local expert in that area to, to tackle the whole of Sydney. Uh, it's just too big or Brisbane or anywhere like that. We, we pick a patch. And we become an, a local expert in that patch, and that might, and that enables you to make the, the right sort of decisions. Yeah, it's exactly the same with renovating. In fact, we do a lot of apartments, and there are some buildings that will make a profit, and there are others that just won't. And so you have to be quite careful about that. But in other ways, it sort of makes it easier with apartments because you can look at every sale in that building and sort of mm. figure out what its sort of mojo is so yeah yeah and something because we're doing a little we call it a micro development where you renovate you buy a block that's with a house on it that's big enough to subdivide and you renovate the house and sell it off to get the land at a better price and i've really noticed that when we first we bought it probably a bit over 12 months ago when we were first talking to the builders about the building price, it was okay, but how much the 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 building price went up in that period of time, and I couldn't really see that the sale price of the property was going up. Do you think that sale prices will move in order to accommodate that difference in build price? Because obviously everyone's going to be... No. Yeah, suffering the same squeeze. Yeah, we've certainly been through an interesting period of time. So we did see bill prices escalate enormously. It has slowed down a lot. Most of the the big quantity surveyors are predicting sort of three to five percent increase in the next uh, twelve months. Still a lot of pressure on labour. Yeah, less so on on materials, but it's the market's resetting in my opinion. Yeah, and in order to make profits out of Renault's and that, we've got to choose the right area. Look, there's still deals that we're renovating, I'm sure, and property development. If you really pick the right spots, there's, there's still some, but there's a lot of places where you can't get the right profit margin. Uh, but I, I see, yes, you're right. We need an increase in, in sale prices to make up for that margin. I don't think we're going to see, we're not going to see bill prices go backwards. We're going to no. see just a moderate increase. And I think the the landowners, they're not going to suddenly want to drop a big chunk off their land. So the only way it's going to even out is if sale prices go up. And we've still got a, a lot of demand on housing. We're still undersupplied for housing, particularly in the Sydney and Melbourne markets. We've got a lot of overseas migration. We're going to see something like 800,000 people come in two years. These aren't poor people overseas uh, migrants. They're, they're professional people. They will rent for a while. That's going to put even more pressure on the rental market if you've got a good investment, but they will buy as well down the track a little bit. And so it comes back to replacement value and the market will find its own level if you leave it alone Yeah, and it will have to be an increase in sale prices. And, and 
everything is predicting that that's where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, our, our project's in a Chuka, and um, we're not planning to sell, so it's not really an issue. But I notice there is still quite a lot of pressure on the on the market down there. It's quite healthy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What makes a good renovator? Oh, sorry, what makes a good developer? I'm on the wrong track here. <laughs> what makes a good renovator? I might be the might be the same sort of person that makes a good developer. I think that. Oh, I, I, you know what? I when you're just talking, Bernadette, about or just asking that question about the pockets in the market, I think what what it's done the for us finding sites now and same as finding renovations that stack up that work so you're making a decent profit is it just takes people out of the market who are just having a go. It's the people that are doing it now have gone to someone like yourself, has come to somebody like us, where you have to know what you're doing. There's no more of that, I'll wing it stuff. It, it'll just eliminate. Those, those people have to, they will, they'll get burnt second time round if they were and lucky enough during that COVID time to have uplifts. And there's been other times in the market where mm. you just fall asleep and wake up the next day and you're a millionaire and that's okay. And we've all had that experience. Well, I don't know if I've had it enough, but, <laughs> but we've all, oh, we've all on, experienced something. <laughs> We've all experienced a, an uplift in the market, but now to be in the property game, which is still a fantastic game to be in, or if we didn't want to use the word game, I think it. I think now, and we often talk about that. It's it's the people that have you've got to know what you're doing. So mm. I hijacked that that conversation. Where was the where was sure the question? You're doing. You yeah, get the right people on your team. Yeah. Oh, what are the traits? Yeah, well, I'd start with the people that are smart enough to realise they that they might know quite a bit but they need to know a lot more yeah so property developers yeah what 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 sort of traits well i mean we have to we have to realize that the market is is liquid and it's forever changing so we've got to be in the market as property developers we have to know what's going on in the market we have to look ahead because we're producing product that might not be available for sale for two years time so Mm. we have to have an opinion on all of that i think it takes a certain amount of courage to be a property development but I think that comes with confidence I think I often say property development is a confidence game I'll I'll talk on behalf of property developers here but it's probably a lot of these things aren't different for renovators no I I think if you're not confident you're not going to do it so how do you build confidence how do you suddenly it's not a pill there's no confidence pills out there that I'm aware of and so confidence comes from an understanding that you're going to do it right and how do you do that? It's a combination of, of knowledge. So you have to learn how to do it so that you can apply it. You have to you have to have that knowledge. But if you've got a good team, the same thing with renovators, you've got to have a good team. Developers, we need a good team. If you've got confidence in your team, and that could be right back to the educators, which is the space mm-hmm. that we all fill. Uh, if you've got a good educator, you've got to pull the right team together. That gives you the confidence to take action because it's all about action. But sadly, a lot of people get head knowledge but they don't take action. And that's where they need somebody like, like my partner here to get them. Partner in crime. Oh, to get <laughs> yeah. them to take the action. Mm. Yeah. Now, once you take the action, you can go forward. Yeah. Mm. I think the educator person is really critical and not just because I do that, but because I've had that experience. So, in my early days, like you, there was no training for renovators. Sherry Barber hadn't hit the scene at that stage. So I I really relied on Stephen because he, he's been 
in the building industry, he's done, he's been building like all sorts of things and doing all sorts of developments in a professional sense. And so he was always my backstop and that gave me confidence, even though he wasn't that involved, well, he was never involved in my projects, but I knew I had someone to go to that if I got something that I couldn't really handle, that he would be able to do that. And so that's what I really try and offer for our women, someone that you can go to if you think you're getting the wool pulled over your eyes or if you've got something that you're not quite sure about, that you've got someone that you can consult so that you don't, you know, make the wrong, take the wrong step. And I would imagine, well, I know that that's what you do for your community as well. I think I've witnessed that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I can only echo echo those feelings. Yeah. I was probably lucky when I got into property development. I, I sort of scored a, a, a luckily scored a mentor who did hold my hand through my first project, but no education. But I've I've, I've had my ups and downs, particularly in the early years where where I was learning by trial and error. It's not the greatest way to earn, to learn, I should say. And and I see casualties. I still see casualties in the marketplace. And I always try to have a look at, well, what went wrong for them? And usually, sadly, it's people that thought they, they could do it by themselves. They thought they could pick this up off the off YouTube or off the internet. Yeah. And and there's there's so many, it's, it's in the detail. Completely. Uh, or you'll you'll see the big steps. Mm. Sorry. I was going to say, or didn't stick to the script. Yep. Yeah, maybe ego got in the way or suddenly found a, a faster, better way of doing it than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't the yeah. fastest or the best. No, you, no. you see that sadly. And that that's what drew me into the education space yeah. because I was a property developer long before I ever educated. Now I do both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw people getting into trouble and I thought, well, then, you need this opportunity, and that was that was that was a long time ago. But I still because I love it. I love doing. I love property development, of course. But but we love the education space and helping people. I know you've got the same heart we do. You want you you want to see people succeed. You don't want to see people make make mistakes. Mm. And and really? if you've got that sort of a heart, then that's where you get a lot of your your satisfaction from. Mm. I think. Yeah, yeah, and so I just I know. I just wanted to touch on another topic, and that's joint ventures. I know you do your you do train people in joint venturing. When so we've been doing it for probably close enough to ten years now, and I have to say I've found it a very challenging path equipping equipping people to work together. Uh, there have been times when I felt like I was a marriage counsellor. And I'm really interested if you, like, I think we're there that now, but what you think the secret to a successful joint venture is? Oh, I'm going to jump in here. That's kind of my realm. I do a lot of the sort of training on the joint venture stuff here. And I actually work with the people that come to us because believe it or not, people ring up and say, I've got money. Can I invest it with you? <laughs> Which is quite a nice thing to have. But so when that happens, it's, it's like, it's always about timing. But when we're working with students, or I say students, like mentoring students, it it is being very clear on on who does what. And it's all about the paperwork. And I suppose when it comes to 
renovating, I could see why you have that job, you have that job, there's probably more of a share factor. But in a property development, that's not likely to happen because you've got the generally a working partner and a non-working partner. It's not very often, I can think back of some mentoring students a long yeah. time ago that did it, but ours will be more likely, you're a joint venture partner, but you're not doing any of the work. You, so you're either um, like going in as a, a money partner, we call it, uh, so equity, putting some cash in yeah, and getting return, other. yeah, or you're actually the developer. But even if you're going in with your name on the development, there will be only one working partner. That's yeah. what we, that's how we work because it will be with a mentoring student and it's all black and white. The, it's written up. It's all legal Minimizing documents. Minimising con potential conflict, yeah, I think. Gone. I, yeah, I've done about $300 million worth of joint ventures and cap raisings, basically using other people's money to, Not do, that much better to no. do projects. <laughs> and, and, and so I've sort of worked it out. But in its simple form, when we talk about joint ventures, they can take a whole range of forms, different modelling. This really comes down to two things. You're using, generally using other people's money that are coming into a deal. So it can be simple, what we call a loan partner, where the other person, call it a joint venture partner if you want to, they loan money to you, the developer or the renovator, it, they, it's a loan situation. They lend money, they get an interest rate return. They don't want to be part of the project. They don't want to do any work. They don't want to be on the title. They don't want to be on the loan. They just want to lend you money and good, get a good rate of return. We do developments with loan partners like that, okay. and that's fine. They're not part of the deal. They're not part of the decision-making. They get a loan document. They get a form of security, whatever it is on offer, and they get an interest rate return on their money. Some people like that. Other people, what I'll call a pure joint venture partner, an equity partner, they also put money into the project, but they become part of the project with you. And so they're probably possibly on the title of the land. They're, they're more than likely on the development finance. And they're, they're generally rewarded with a profit share as opposed to an interest rate return. I, I, I sort of break it into those two camps to keep it simple. But what, what I've avoided and the way we do it is we separate the responsibilities. I, I'll tell you what we don't want. We don't want two people with equal voting power both trying to do a development together. It's a recipe for disaster. So you become a marriage counsellor. Oh, well, <laughs> like <Bernadette>. yeah. <laughs> or a divorce, divorce counsellor if there's such a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we generally separate the finance from the project management. And so one party, we'll call that the developer, it, if it was our project, it would be us. If it was somebody else's project, it would be the person who found the project and is looking for the equity partner. The equity partner would come in, they'd put the finance in. They wouldn't do the project management. They, they would be – they know what every, how everything's going on. They'd be constantly reported to. But it, you have to have somebody to make the final decisions. Yeah. And so if push comes to shove, the developer has to make that final decision. I've seen things bogged down – for six weeks with people with equal voting power arguing about which tiles to use. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and on, a, on, a, on a development project, I mean, that would be thousands of dollars of interest while you're spinning tiles and arguing about tiles. So you can't have that happen. And that's, no. how, that's how we avoid it and it works fine. As long as you know the rules up front, those rules are explained up front. They're in the documentation. Everybody comes in, eyes wide open, and, and it works. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we've I think we've spoken enough to give our audience a bit of a sense of who you are and what you bring to our day. I want to thank you both 
for coming on today and also being part of She Renovates 2023. We're very excited to have you. And is there anything, do you have any parting words? Well, Bob, I was just thinking about, we have a, a, a great ebook which we can give you as a link we don't we can give you that and yeah. it explains it explains joint ventures from the investor's point of view not from the person attracting and we wrote it for that real world wrote it for that reason so people go into things a bit more eyes wide open than eyes closed that's a that's probably a great thing to offer yeah but any parting words I'm looking forward to Monday. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> well, Bernadette, Hillary, you yeah. were a star last year. You made it into the photos and, yeah, so. I, I felt like, the, I actually felt like the the, uh, the poster girl this year when I got the pamphlet. <laughs> so there you go. It was the orange dress, yes. I, I feel honoured to be allowed in to say a few, a few minutes worth myself, actually, in oh, well, the esteemed yeah. company, but it should be great. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Thank you. All right, well, thank you for that, and we'll see you on Monday. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.